1: Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Borchin. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church, right here in Colorado Springs. And I'm thrilled that you're tuning in again today. We are continuing in our study, which we have titled The Principles of Discipleship. But in it, we have gone through a number of the teachings of Jesus Christ our Lord, because the series really began many months ago as we were examining the radical teachings of Jesus. In this, it seemed fitting that here we would uh, take this journey together to understand what it means to take up our cross and truly follow Jesus Christ, to put aside our own desires, to lay up treasures in heaven, and so we've been in this theme for the past few weeks, and we really wrap it up today. Next week we're going to have a special guest in the studio. I'm super excited to have him with us, and he's going to be talking about practical application with us. I'm not going to give away our special guest. You have to tune in next week to to listen and and to to hear from him directly. And he's going to be sharing. About how we can truly be disciples together, learning the Word of God together, growing in knowledge and understanding, truly equipping the saints for the work of ministry, and how to do that in your local church. So, we're very excited by that. But to help me in this study here today, as we examine once again Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Dr. Steve Ford is back in the studio. Dr. Ford, good to always have you on Engage in Truth. Thank you, John.
0: It's always great to be here. And once again, you know, we're really talking about what Jesus was talking about in the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations, not to make converts, but to make disciples of all nations. And I think that we've really been focusing on that. I think there's a huge need, at least within the American church for emphasizing this right now.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm just so glad that we're covering this topic. Absolutely, and it has taken us a few weeks, uh, but as an expository church, that's what we do. Go through the Bible verse by verse and really explore it even deeper. And let me read that verse. It'll kick off our study once again, because there really are three key takeaways here. It's Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. So we've looked at what it means to deny one's self. And then last week, we really spent the time on taking up your cross. What does that mean? Today, we really get into this third piece of it, following him, follow me. That's the loyal obedience is really what that comes down to. And we struggle in that area, I think, uh, far more than we realize. There is a lot that distracts us. It it really comes down to our allegiances and the everydayness of life is the first order of business to get on your knees, to declare that you belong to Jesus Christ and to ask him for your daily assignment? Or have you already preconceived everything you need to do? Go about your daily work trying to make a living or, or tend to the matters at hand. Often the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And we know that cliche quite well, and it seems to dominate our life. Even if we try to make some time for the Lord, just watch how the enemy will try to make all the noise he can, almost like clanging pans outside of your prayer time. We have to be disciplined in this area or we will fall short. We will succumb to all of the matters, the distractions of this life that take us from our first love, our first order of business. Now, it's so important to
0: realize that the the Lord will accomplish his purposes. You know, we may Amen. just be abandoning our role in that an opportunity to be able to to love and serve and honor him. He has so much for us. But if we're so distracted, we're not opening ourselves to the direction influence of the Holy Spirit. We're the ones who are going to be missing out.
1: That's right. Absolutely. And, and, and we praise God that his will cannot be thwarted. Amen. His perfect timing will come to pass, That's as right. you indicated. But we do have that great joy to yeah, be able to definitely. lay up treasures in heaven, to not show up in the presence of the king <laughs> at the Bema Seat of Christ right. with wood, hay, and yeah, stubble. empty-handed. Right? Yep. We, we want to be able to, to labor for his glorious purposes. That really should be the indicator as we look for the fruit in us. It's not fruit that we're trying to amass to ourselves because somehow we're earning salvation. Right. May it may never be. That work has already been done, completed in Christ Jesus, if you believe believe in jesus christ as your lord and savior but if we are simply complacent content on the sideline we are missing out on the great joy of service for the king of kings yeah we're blessed
0: in this life and the
1: afterlife mm-hmm. you know and what lies ahead of us imagine
0: seeing jesus and having having him say the creator of the universe well done good and faithful servant oh amen I, I get goosebumps thinking about that.
1: Uh, I can only imagine song comes <laughs> oh, exactly. to mind in That's that, exactly right? right. Um, and I have I have actually shed many tears yeah. listening to that song That's, on the radio, yeah, especially when I have found myself drifting in my disciplines yeah. and then getting caught back up into the lies of this world that bog us down. We can yeah. find ourselves into depression yep. and into stress-filled environments great anxiety filling our hearts till we don't even sleep at night, these are the tools of the enemy. That Those are the lies that he propagates because we have lost our focus on that which is reality in Christ Jesus. And it is a supernatural reality that supersedes all things that we find ourselves basking in his goodness that we realize we are but a vessel of the glorious workings of the king today. He, may the enemy have no opportunity to rob us of that good and glorious work that is before us as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the third ingredient of principles of discipleship, loyal obedience. And he says here, the text literally says, let him be following me. It's, It's a continuous there. The believer has come to the fork in the road and chooses to walk the narrow way. It's a difficult one, but it leads to life. And that's what we read in Matthew seven fourteen. It's submissiveness to the lordship of Christ that becomes a pattern of living. It's something that totally transforms you from the inside out. It ties in with the words to imitate. If we say we belong to Jesus, 1 John 2, 6, we ought to walk as he walked, putting our feet in his footprints. I mean loyal to the divine will of God. Almost if you can imagine those footprints in the sand, you see the picture there where it says that that's the the point when he carried you. I love that image. Oh, but I've too. often thought about if we truly were following Christ In any picture where there are footprints in the sand, there should only be one set because that's that's how close we should be following him, that we're putting our feet in the exact pattern that he walked to live in that way. Of course, that is a lifelong journey, a commitment to that transformation, sanctification work in us. But again, it's not something we're doing in our own strength. Praise be to God for that. Otherwise, tomorrow, we've already failed. Today, we've already failed. At the moment we're listening to this, we've already failed. So praise be to God that he gives us the Holy Spirit who is working in and through us, changing our mind, doing a glorious work. And ultimately, it's the Lord who receives all the glory for anything good that comes out of us, according to Philippians. So we praise God for that. But that's how close this imitating him should appear, even to our neighbors. And when we fall short, may we be quick to go and ask for forgiveness. And often our attitudes can fall short, our behaviors, our words, the things that we've even thought will fall short. But when we acknowledge that we've fallen short, the posture of humility that we display before those around us, when the pride is stricken from us, people will see something else at work. They will see a new light, a true, pure, undefiled light that is illuminated from us by the inner working of God doing a glorious, transforming work, especially when I know how I was before Jesus and people can see the contrast. They really should see that because we are imitating Christ, not not a selfish or self-imputed righteousness, but His righteousness.
0: Yeah, you know, usually I've thought of Romans eight twenty eight. You know, for those who love God, all things work together for good, mm-hmm. as as something uh, about my relationship with the Lord. But isn't also something about the the way that we try to serve Him? Because sometimes we can feel like we're so inadequate and we just don't bring enough to the table, and, and we're not capable. But surely he can take, like the loaves and the fishes, mm. he can take our meager offering and work all those <laughs> things together for good to accomplish his will and purposes to his glory.
1: I, I often feel like when I come to prayer uh, in the morning, you know, ideally it's the morning. I right. haven't gotten too far yeah, ahead into God in my day without in the pros- the, the proper Posturing of prayer to begin my day but I often feel like I'm bringing him just a pile of broken legos <laughs> <Right. laughs> like okay here's what I've done Lord here's right. the mess yeah. I've created yeah. to, do, help exactly. me build Little something kid do his with father. this yeah, <laughs> yeah it, just that that childlike faith yeah. uh, that, that is hungering and thirsting for righteousness not content enjoying sin and then coming to him as though we are seeking some kind of righteousness he knows yeah, he knows the heart of the matter if, if all we're trying to do is check off a box in our walk with him he knows that we're not truly desiring to follow him
0: right we see that in the old testament where you know the nation of
1: israel tries to do that with the lord and just right. check
0: off them there and their heart is not in their sacrifices
1: and in their offerings and and the lord rebukes them for that well they immediately default to the physical blessing of having done what the law required of them to do. Right. If I deal with these matters and sacrifice in such a way and handle things a certain way, according to the 613 ordinances of the law, then with it would come a physical blessing. My, my harvest in an in agrarian culture, there might be blessing. There might be a full well. There might be a bountiful harvest or a blessing for my children. Uh, that that can treat God in a in a very superficial way. Good pro quo. Of what can you do for me? Right. And I'm not saying that that was true of all of Israel. Sure. It is. It's easy to lump an entire group of people into decisions that are made, and certainly certain case studies that are done throughout Scripture. But from it, we should learn. We dare not treat God in that manner, uh, and in that and in these manners that we often come to Him with a selfish desire, and James talks about that. You, when you pray, you pray amiss because you're seeking to spend it on your own desires and will and, and ways. It's it's not of the Lord's desires that you're choosing to pray for that outcome. You're not really seeking to understand the full matter at hand and, and to be praying with specificity into those issues that his kingdom come, his will be done. It's it's your kingdom come, your right. will be done, <laughs> i.e. myself, not right. him. And he knows that. We're not fooling him. And that's where that total transparency of, Lord, I desire your way to be done. Here I am. Send me. I'm a vessel of your inner working. Because the Lord will not tolerate superficiality. He will not tolerate him being treated like a genie. There's some sort of a a power that can be bestowed upon the worker for their own benefit to have their best life now in this world and not seeking to do his glorious work matthew seven twenty one tells us that not everyone who says to me, "Lord, Lord, shall enter the Kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven, how do you know the will of your Father in heaven? Well, you have to know his word it, right. in the word, in the understanding of the twelve hundred instructions. Of the New Testament, and I say that and somebody's eyes just rolled back in their head, <laughs> right? There's that many? I had no idea. Yeah. It's because we have become so dependent on somebody else telling us what the Word says. We ourselves do not know the sword that has been handed to us of Ephesians 6 to be armored up today.
0: Yeah, and the flip side of that is sometimes we don't know when heresy is being preached. I mean, if <laughs> you don't know the Word, you're sitting in there and all the heads are, you know, bobbing, yeah, that sounds good, you mm-hmm. know, that sort of thing. Um, we need to know the Word. We need to, to be able to be like the Bereans and, yeah. and check our scriptures, know our scriptures, make sure that what we're hearing is actually biblical, according to God's word, that it's God's
1: truth. Well, there was a time when hermeneutics was the most critical thing. Homiletics was second. Now it's reversed. Mm. We yeah. seem to bask in the uh, talents of those who have the homiletics, but we care less about the hermeneutics of this, that right. that we don't understand the, the, the actual spoken word because we're not we're not brands. We don't know the word. How can we then hold those speakers of the word accountable to we don't it? Know it? And then he tells us the Lord himself, even at the Olivet Discourse, he told us that there would be many who would be false teachers, right. false prophets, false messiahs. And 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 how would they seem to be winning over the masses? If there wasn't a famine of truth, and that's what Amos chapter 8 reminds us of. So the true disciple is in the word of God to know the will of God. Well, that seems basic enough. But John chapter 8 verses 31 to 32 says, "...if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth..." and the truth shall make you free. Yeah. Love that one.
0: <laughs> know it's going to make me, yeah, just kind of vibrate there. It's like, <laughs> I just absolutely love that.
1: Pretty cut and dry. Right. Right. But this is where the discipline falls short. Yeah. I.e. the principles of discipleship. You have to have discipline in order to be a disciple. And any... Uh, Earthly teacher, whether it be an academia, whether it be uh, some sort of a a skill of uh, martial arts or even an athletic talent or whatever that might be, you have to be disciplined to, uh, to achieve anything in it, to be good at that sport, whatever that label of good is. Uh, to take your talent, maybe you have a, a gifted ability, but to make it actually a talent that uh, could take you far, you have to know discipline. That, that's expected. So there's a paradox here that we now have to look at in verse 25 of Matthew 16. He says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And I think, Dr. Ford, the message there is quite simply, you have to count the cost. And uh, before the program, I I had to go back and read it again because this section is one that we've read a time or two and then forget. (laughs) Uh, As with all scripture, we have to be in the word constantly. But Luke chapter 14 comes to mind, verses 25 to 33. Listen to this one again. Now, great multitudes went with him. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, I'll pause there and add this caveat here. The Lord is not calling us to hate anyone, but rather our allegiance to Jesus has to be so overwhelming, so all-consuming, it may appear, by contrast, that we hate All things around us by contrast to that total allegiance to Jesus Christ. Willing to go to wherever he takes you in the world. It could mean tomorrow, even like Elisha. The mantle has come upon your shoulders. It is time to go. Don't think about it. Don't grab the plowshare again and start looking back. But look forward. It is only forward. These who look back are unfit for the kingdom. He says here, verse 27, And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot... Be my disciple, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Count the cost. (laughs) Radical teachings of Jesus. Isn't it interesting that we consider Christianity so displaced from the idea of discipleship? Maybe that's part of the problem. We think of sort of easy-beliefism, You know, this idea that we can be saved, but Jesus doesn't have to be our Lord. That's right. I I don't really have to give up much. I I went to a a revival or some really well-spoken teacher who gave me the Romans road. And through it, I went and I I received Jesus. But afterward, well, on occasion, I made my way into a church. On occasion, I I picked up a, a scripture verse or two but really had no following after Jesus, no sacrificing to say no to the world, all of Jesus. It is the cross before me, the world behind me. This is my path from this day forward, and everything is going to align to that. And will I fall short? Absolutely. But this path is narrow, it's difficult, and it requires fortitude. A fervent zeal for the love and will and desires of God is front and center of your life. It, it is like if you have to t- tie some kind of a a rope, like I don't know if you've ever seen those images where somebody has like a, a stick uh, taped on their back and before them is like a string line of something, whether it be a Twinkie <laughs> or a brownie sort of hanging out in front of them and they're running because all they want is the, that bait that's hanging right. out there in front of them. Rather than using such a simple illustration, I think that we have to have such a focus, sometimes it's with an arm reach that we have to constantly pursue the things of God every day it is a daily discipline that's what the apostle paul spoke of this disciplining buffeting himself every day to conform the flesh to the will of God, because the temptations are real. The desire to go back to this world, to think like the world, to be entertained by the world is overwhelming if we don't bathe our entirety of mind and thoughts and what our eyes see and our ears hear to the things of God, that we are total tunnel vision on his will and his will alone.
0: Yeah, speaking of the Apostle Paul, one of our go-to scriptural references has been Galatians 2.20. Mm. You know, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And I Amen. think that that really sort of encapsulates
1: what I hear you saying. That's right. And, you know, this all comes back to our Matthew 13 study. I know way back when, when we were looking at that one, uh, Matthew 13, 44, he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. That's the magnitude we're talking about here. Sacrifice this world for a treasure you can't see, but it is beyond comprehension, beyond description. He says in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, again, if, if your focus is not on the plumb line that he has set to his will, his way, his desires, uh, we will fall short every single day. That That's why we have to prostrate ourselves before the living king every day that we have the right paradigm when we arise because the stresses of this world will overwhelm us if we think we can fight it in our flesh we will fall short every single time
0: yeah all part of take up our cross daily that's right. You know, it really is just that daily commitment, getting up every morning, picking up that cross and following wherever the Lord leads. And I know that sounds, I've just made it sound really simple <laughs> and we all know that it's not, yeah. but it's
1: worth everything. It's worth every sacrifice to have more of the Lord. Amen. Amen. We, we just, I, I think not till the other side of when we have graduated from this flesh and we behold the throne room as we see the prophets yeah. have done. And they're just beside themselves. They, they virtually have no words, it seems. You know, woe is me, a man of unclean lips. Right. I mean, just cannot even speak in the glorious splendor of the throne room of the king. I don't want to be on that side of heaven, if you will, and having regretted that I just didn't fully believe it like I should have. I didn't live like I really believed this uh, because there was a whole lot of worldly treasure seeking going on not enough of selfless sacrifice and service to the king. I just don't want us to have any regrets. Not that we will. You know, we'll be so overwhelmed with the worship of the Lord. But truly, if we consider the magnitude of the exchange, we could give everything this world has, and it won't even be a drop in the bucket by comparison to what eternity with the king will bring us and, and what we'll see. And behold, he says in this powerful word, once again, Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. These simple words are not so simple. If we're living for an earthly life, you're going to lose your earthly one, your eternal one. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, if it's all about what we mass here, that's all we're going to ever gain. If it, it, To what? What will you gain then? Nothing. By comparison, you're going to lose that eternal life. So, in other words, we have a choice. You can go for it now and lose it forever, or you can give it up now and gain it forever. And that's the point, yeah. really, of all of this.
0: Yeah, as you're speaking, I'm trying to think, you know, what is a self check for me? Hmm. And uh, in regards to wh- who am I following? Am I following the Lord? Am I following my own agenda? And if there, are, I think Tim Keller says that if there's, if, he talks about good things becoming ultimate things. And it's wonderful to have good things, and it's wonderful to celebrate good things. But when a good thing becomes an ultimate thing, is when you can no longer live without that. Yeah, that has become an ultimate thing. And unless that is God, that has become a form of idolatry in our lives. And so anytime we look at things, we look at our interests, our passions, our hobbies. If we can't live without that. That particular place in our life only belongs to God. That's right. And so we've got some work to do, and that's a good check for us to see how well are we aligned, as you speak of the plumb line, where are we at in our relationship with the
1: Lord? Yeah. I find that anything that we have erected, if it is not bathed in prayer, mm. grounded in word of truth, we're right. building ourselves a, a Tower of Pisa yeah. and didn't even realize that we thought it was straight the whole time. Yeah. And that might even be generous. Right? It's probably <laughs> almost laying down on the ground. Yeah. Uh, verse 26 in our final minute together, he says, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And what does he have if he's given up his eternal life? He has nothing. Yeah. Yeah, what are the few years in this body on this time in earth um, in exchange for an eternal life? There is no comparison.
0: When we look at the the two great commandments to love the Lord and love others, won't don't you think that that may be what the Lord is going to be interested in when we stand before him? Not so much our, our trophies, how much money we made, our accomplishments, our diplomas, our hobbies, or any of the rest of these <laughs> things. But how well did you love me and how well did you love others? That seems to be the heart of God that we see in Scripture.
1: Yeah, I've almost attributed it, and I know our, our time is running out here, but uh, I've thought about you know, how many men just sacrifice a Sunday for the National Football League? Right. Uh, right they yeah, on the altar church, of church, yeah. everything in order to, to follow these teams and the probability of their team even making it to the Super Bowl is slim to none. And they've sacrificed so much as a fan Time, of this energy, temporal yeah. thing. And then the men who are playing are giving up their physical well-being to get into this hall of fame. And I thought, what if the NFL completely collapsed tomorrow? These men have given up their lives, their relationships, their bodies' health for this thing that was so frivolous, that was here today and gone tomorrow. And yet, by contrast, that's what we're doing in this world. When we're laying up treasures here, it will all go away and has no merit for eternal life.
0: And we brought nothing into this world, and we will (laughs) surely take nothing out of it.
1: That's right. Well, I want to thank you all for listening again to Engage in Truth. And next week we have a special guest as we wrap up the series. So tune in again. And if you've missed anything in this broadcast and you want to go back and listen to it, please check it out at calvaryfountain.com. This is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church and services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays. God bless you, my friends. Take care.